Hey, MamFam, we've got another giveaway for you. Jungle Land is premiering at home, and you can watch the film critics are calling real, raw, and exciting in a must-see ensemble starring Charlie Hunnam, Jack O'Connell, Jessica Barden, no relation to Richard Barden, and Jonathan Majors. When a devastating loss in the ring leaves local brothers lying and stand in debt to a local crime boss, they must risk it all in a bare-knuckle boxing tournament as they fight for a better life. Buy or rent the gritty action drama Jungle Land, starting now, on digital and on demand. Also in select theaters. It's rated R from Paramount Pictures. If you want a copy of Jungle Land, and you're a VIP, head on over to madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP and comment on the post titled Jungle Land Giveaway. We'll be giving away some free digital copies of Jungle Land. And look for a review of Jungle Land later in the year. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Another week, another movie of the week here on the Bad About Movies podcast. Thank you so much for spending some time with us as we talk some nonsense, talk some movies, and escape the world for just a few minutes here and hopefully put a smile on your face. Brian, you put a smile on my face. I'm glad you're here. Glad glad to be talking to you. What a a swell thing to say. I I greatly appreciate it, my friend. Of course. It's good to... Makes me feel good. Yeah, it's always good to not be like able to. Richard just digs at me all the time. I'm saying so that because Richard's not here, and just because yeah, I, yeah, if he yeah. listens, I, I want this it to can feel a, even, him to feel even worse about. Right, yeah. right. This this can be a positive place this week without him dragging us down. <laughs> for once, yes, for once, we <laughs> for <help>. once. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for listening and and being a part of it. Uh, special shout out to our VIPs over at MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com/slash/VIP who. Are joining us in our Discord, talking about what we've been watching, some movie news, movie rumors, movie rumblings. We got that Mad About Music channel that's popping off right now as well. All over there yeah. on our Discord at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. So the conversation is ongoing, and it never stops over there. So shout out to those people, and if you want to join it, it's madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. But we got a lot to talk about with this episode. We got a movie of the mm. week here. We've got maybe, maybe a little recommend, maybe at the end if we if we've got time. But Brian, to kick things off, a lot of news in the American Treasure Department of Mad About oh, Movies. Man. the The Secretary of of the American Treasures uh, faxed me earlier this morning and uh, told mm. me about all that's all that's been happening and that we we must update the listener. So yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff. Where should I begin? First, probably should should shout out um, Joseph Biden because anytime an American treasure is uh, <laughs> elected president, uh, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Great looks great yeah. on us. Great for the American mm-hmm. treasures, and it proves it just proves once and for all that an American treasure can do anything he sets his mind to. That's so, right. Um, that's right. If you're in that uh, exclusive club on our website, so American Treasures, mm-hmm. you could, you too might be able to be president. Yeah. So, did you hear his shout out to us in his speech? It was pretty great. No, I yeah, yeah, I, I didn't, but I noticed he um, he ripped off his denim vest as he ran out uh, on mm-hmm. the ramp, right. like um, yeah. you know Hulk Hogan yeah, or he something. Used it, yeah, he used it like a uh, like a boxer uses the robe coming out on stage. Yes. It was pretty great. 
I'm not gonna lie. Regardless of politics, it was it was pretty great to see. Yeah, yeah. So. But the, let's let's just say the record will always say, <laughs> history books will always say he was an American treasure before he was the president. So shout out there. Um, other news and sadder news in American treasure land to mm. report. Um, we got a couple passings of away. Um, one being um, North American treasure. Alex Trebek, Brian. It's a tough one, man. Um, I mean, you, you can't say you're super surprised, right? I mean, he's 80 years old and had been fighting pretty aggressive cancer over the last couple of years. So it I wasn't a huge shock when we saw the news, but it, it was, that doesn't make it any, doesn't make it any less uh, difficult and uh, sad and hard and all that stuff. I, I mean, I, we, we all, all three of it, I mean, we made him an American treasure. So obviously maybe, maybe it says without reasoning, uh, or excuse me, but, but he was great. He was the best at what he does. And what he does, I think was so much more than just hosting a game show. Um, I said on Twitter, you know, my, my dad and I, uh, didn't watch a whole lot of shows together growing up and, and some movies, same, same kind of way. Um, there's not a lot of pop culture crossover in, in our household growing up. Uh, but Jeopardy was one of the things that we watched together. And there was so few things in life when I was, a, you know, whatever, 8, 10, 12 years old. There were so few things in life that were better than when I knew the answer to a question that my dad didn't know, you know, or that, <laughs> I, that I answered before he did or something. And, uh, and Trebek was just just the best. I've just I've never seen somebody who was so able to and th- this has come out more over the last 10 or 15 years than it did well back when i think he he was so solidified in his position that he kind of was able to to show off a little bit more he always had a personality on there but i, I felt like in the earlier days of his run it was part personality part persona and then over the last 15 or 20 years it's just been straight up like this is who i am and i'm going to let it out but like I've never seen anybody who could be so condescending without making you feel bad like, about so it. Charming, like, it was yeah. just amazing. He was such a charming guy and uh, could just, he, you know, the, the clips that were making the rounds yesterday, like especially when sports came up and these three nerds just know nothing about sports and, and him trolling those people. He's and like, yet, he's like, oh, who are man. the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles, uh, Dallas Duh. Cowboys. Like, like, how do you not know this? Like, this Gosh, is it's so great. But you, but you also you can watch that, and I would imagine at least. I mean, I wasn't one of the three people that he was making fun of, but I would imagine none of them were like, "This guy's making fun of me." I'm sure they were like, "What an honor, sir, to be you know to be condescended a little bit by by you." Because he was he was the best. He was a great dude. I mean, genuinely by all. Like, I always say you, you should. You should never expect celebrities uh, to not be jerks because they live in a different world than us, and most of them are jerks, and that's just the way it is. It seems pretty genuine that by all by all accounts, he was a great dude, and um, and he 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 was just I don't know he was just sort of an omnipresent pop cultural figure. I, he also this is very weird and personal, but he he looked a. I had an uncle who looked exactly like Alex, Alex Trebek for <laughs> many, many years, including like sometimes he would, you know how Trebek would, sometimes he had like a like a serious mustache and sometimes it was it was smooth and sometimes mm. it was a beard and stuff. And it always felt like he was like coinciding with Trebek when he, when, you know, whatever, whatever facial 
hair situation he had going on. And so, I don't know. I always, I always joked with my uncle back then that, that, uh, that he looked like Trebek. And so anyway, man, I, I don't know what your, your full background with Jeopardy and, and Trebek is, but I, I, there are very few people in my, over my 37 years of life that have been more culturally omnipresent than, uh, than Trebek has. And, and this sucks. He's, he was just an awesome dude. Yeah, man. Um, Jeopardy was a big player in my house, such a consistency throughout our lives, you know, like no matter Mm -hmm. whatever else the hell is going on in the world, like Jeopardy was going to come on at three o'clock with Alex Trebek, you know, um, Mm -hmm. totally. Maybe the only outlier to that would be like Pat Sajak doing (laughs) Wheel of Fortune, um, Mm -hmm. and Vanna White, like that's it. Uh, by the way, I just saw today that they've greenlit celebrity Wheel of Fortune, Oh, let's go. Like, how did it take them let's 40 go, years man. to be like, you know what? Maybe if we put <laughs> like actual people that people care about on here, like that would be better. <laughs> Cause like, Absolutely. I love celebrity game yeah. shows. The celebrity family feud yeah. is one of the best, maybe the best show on TV with sure. Steve Harvey. Sure. Amazing. Yeah. But, um, totally. Uh, yeah, man. Trebek was, was awesome. Uh, what, what's so interesting about him is that you're right. He was, a little bit condescending, but made you feel not bad about it. But what was cool about him, and this is a rarity, is that he just made being smart like cool. You know, mm-hmm, like he made sure. he made people that had knowledge feel like that it was worthwhile. You know, like it was a, it was an applicable skill to have to be like book smart in some way. You know, mm-hmm, um, and you could sure, you could actually sure. be rewarded that. that with that in some tangible way other than like sitting in an office somewhere, you know, uh, I think that's really cool. And it's like knowledge is power. is like a, a really, I don't know, maybe the thesis of what I will remember about him, you know, um, and his sense of humor about himself, I mean, is undeniable. I mean, oh my goodness. loved what Will Ferrell did with him on SNL, you know, and mm-hmm. cameoed yes. on there doing it. And, all this kind of stuff, uh, you know, I, I think he's one of the few outliers of people that actually understood his role and like, you know, I, I'm going to do this as long as I can and do it this way. And it was so structured and every episode mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. same. And I mean, he just truly understood it and got it and yes. I never really messed with trying to do too much or go on a lot of talk shows and be this big celebrity, even though he could have and probably, you know, would have been one of the more famous, funny people of our lifetimes had he done that. And maybe more than the the host of Jeopardy, but he really dedicated himself to that and making it the best it could be. And Mm -hmm. and it was like clockwork watching him do that. And, you know, I think I'm still going to watch Jeopardy, but it's certainly not going to be the same. Yeah, it helps that they. It seemed at least, and and I don't know anything, so so maybe I'm I'm totally off base. But it seemed like they were sort of grooming Ken Jennings for that role yeah. at some point, and so that will feel like a that will feel like a, a solid handoff. Even though you you'd wish that right that you could have the the actual on screen handoff from Trebek to Jennings, but that will feel like a spiritual handoff, I think, rather than like, all right, we just went out and and uh, you know. We cast Richard Karn as the new host of Jeopardy or whatever. Yeah. I mean that 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 would that would feel weird. So 
I, I assume they're going to go to Jennings eventually. And if they can get, that will uh, be nice. They can get John O'Hurley slash Jay Peterman, though. They need to do that. <laughs> sure. Any any situation <laughs> yeah. where you can get, uh, yeah, <laughs> and the host a game show needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I guess I guess I can work too. <laughs> yeah, great. dude. Did you see the clip from like recently with the the winner talking about how? Jeopardy and Trebek helped him learn to speak English. Like, no, that was that broke me. Like, oh, dude, I'll send it to you off the air and you can cry by yourself. I won't make you cry on the air, but yeah, it was uh, this guy who just recent. I mean, it, it looked like it was like very recent. Um, he won, and after the show, he's I, I'm not sure where he was from, but he, he, you know, he's he was an immigrant and and Trebek. I th- essentially asked him, like, so do you have people back home that are excited about this? And and he just broke down and started crying and was like, you taught me uh, how to speak English. I would sit in my grandma, grandpa, grandfather's lap and watch Jeopardy, and that's how I learned to speak English. So being here today, is, and I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, just sobbing. That's heavy. So, you know, yeah. It doesn't take much to make me cry, especially these days, but like that was, I was just <laughs> weeping. <laughs> so it was... It's really good, but yeah, I mean that. But that shows you. That shows you. I, I think you're spot on too with the, you pointing out like how um, how important that was. To, I don't know. It's just like the the whole showing that knowledge could be imp- could be not just important, but could be um, entertaining in a way too. I think that was a big that was a big deal. And and he's just a huge part. Of, like Jeopardy doesn't work to me at least with a rotating. Uh, cast of hosts like Family Feud or uh, some of these other shows. I think it's important to have somebody up there who exudes credibility the way that that Alex Trebek did, and uh, and that was a huge. I think that's a huge part of its success um, on that front, at least. I always wondered how much information he retained. Like I, totally, you know, yeah. what would have been cool. <laughs> I don't know if this ever. What if he ever would have agreed to this? But like the passing of the torch would have been cool if you know he Ken Jennings became the host, and then the first episode with him had Trebek as the, a contestant on the show. You know, <laughs> and he, sure. yeah, and even if he loses, it would be hilarious, and he'd make fun of himself and all that, and it would be a great way to like go out, you know. But if he won, it'd be like, God, this guy is incredible, <laughs> and he just goes on this Ken Jennings like yeah. run to end his career mm-hmm. of just slaying all these people. Sure. Gosh, that would have been incredible. Or if they positioned him like the Schwab on Stump the Schwab. Right. Like, yeah. I always thought that would be a great bit too. Yeah. Oh, Bring man. back Stump the Schwab. That was a great bit. That was good. You know what? Uh, I liked Jeopardy, but and I liked Trebek, but I mean, he could only pale in comparison to what Jeff Probst did with Rock and Roll Jeopardy. I mean, <laughs> that's the true. VH1 presents yeah. Rock and Roll Jeopardy, I should say. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah man this it was, it was a sad day sad day and and trebek was the best and you know as sad as it is i will say there i there's a i appreciate when somebody like that passes and then you just see the outpouring of what i took to be genuine sincere love and adoration from like around the globe it was a really I don't know. It shows you the legacy of, of the show and it shows his legacy. And, and I felt like, I felt like that was a fairly inspiring moment in the midst of something that is obviously very sad and, and terrible and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough and tougher. 
it's tough for the American treasures and North American treasures as well. Cause he was, he was a real one. That will be a, that will be a big miss for us at the, at the next convention for sure. Some other news, sad to report American treasure Al Roker has cancer. So prayers mm-hmm. up to Al Roker. Hope he is uh, on the mend and hope he uh, makes a speedy recovery. So mm-hmm. Sad to hear that, but not in the American treasure side of things, but another notable passing related to the show Sean Connery, Brian, speaking of Alex Trebek, <laughs> Sean Connery also passing away. And, um, you know, I'm not a huge Sean Connery fan. I never really was. I, I first mm-hmm. to say that I loved him as James Bond, but outside of that, not really, um, not really my guy, but I certainly sure. recognize his value in what he brought to in the world of movies and acting. Sean Connery is a is a tough figure, I think, to I don't know if reconcile is the right word. Well, it's not. I hate when people false eulogize, so we won't beat around the bush. He was a curmudgeon the last twenty plus years of of his life, and and maybe in some ways he had the right. You know, I I think he was right to be angry at the way that uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen went and that was like his last role pretty much and it was it was just such a bad experience for him that he's he said fine then I'm out I think he was right to be upset about that but it, it you know it would have been nice to see him in something over the last 16 years yeah I mean, let's, what let's, I always you know, think about is you know what, what might have been the perfect way to go out for him mm-hmm. as a career would have been what they had originally planned for Skyfall, where he was going to be the guy in the cabin sure. at the end of Skyfall, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that would have been such a cool, you know, he he wouldn't have been playing James Bond, but it would have been a great sure. passing of the torch, like farewell, farewell, you know, kind of a mm-hmm. moment for him, mm-hmm. and way better like in note than sure. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> but that I mean that just proves yeah. the point that he didn't have the, the self awareness to see how much value that would have had for his image in the mm-hmm. end. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, we see this with athletes. I think more prevalently it's, it's maybe not, it's easier to identify with athletes. Athletes have a hard time with that last phase of their career. And it's very rare to see somebody, uh, phase out gracefully the way like Dirk Nowitzki did. It's 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 almost unheard of to see somebody go out on top the way like Michael Jordan did with the Bulls, but just to just to phase out and and to be able to walk away with grace rather than holding on to every last minute and trying to play the same way that you've always played when your body just can't do it and things like that. We see that a lot, and a lot of times I'm not going to say that that hurts the legacy for some of those players, but it definitely leaves you with this like. It leaves you with a, like a bit of time where you're like, I kind of need a few years before I can remember how great Shaquille O'Neal was prior to his last like three years when he was playing at like 380 pounds and was completely useless on the court and stuff. It's it's it takes time, and and when those guys are struggling to accept the role that they are playing and stuff, it's just it's a hard deal, and that that I think was part of it with with with. Uh, I almost said Clooney for some reason uh, with Connery. Um, Cause even like the nineties, you can make a case that you can make a case that outside of the bond movies, the nineties were his like, 
best decade. Yeah, of, The Rock and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Hunt for Red October and Medicine Man was a big deal and Rising Sun and First Night mm-hmm. and The Rock and then and even like Entrapment was a, was a pretty big movie and stuff and then it sort of falls off a cliff right after that and and he sort of disappears from from public love and and anytime you'd see like a little bit of an interview with him he he always just kind of come across it's like okay this guy's pretty pretty grumpy um but that's you know that happens to, to old people a lot it just would have been nice to see him uh phase out and a little bit with, go through like a retirement phase rather than in 1996, he's still a superstar with The Rock, and by 2003, he's not acting anymore. Right? You know, it would have been nice to see them, but but and I'm with you too on the Bond thing. I always thought, and this is a little bit sacrilegious, but I always thought it would be great if he came back as a villain. I thought it would be really would be cool. cool if he yeah. was the villain in in Bond at some point. But the thing that I will say about him is, for me at least, and this this I get again, this is a, a a me and my dad thing, but I don't think this is unique whatsoever. I think for for uh, Maybe especially guys my age, this is a big deal with their dads because Sean Connery was James Bond, and my dad loved the James Bond movies and and you know pre DVR and everything's on VHS and stuff like TBS would run a James Bond marathon two or three times a year, and that was like the whole weekend for my dad was just like I'm gonna I'm gonna watch these these Bond movies and and I would watch some of them with them and stuff and so because of that. Sean Connery for me, and again, I don't think I'm unique in this. Sean Connery was like the first movie star to me. Like he was the first person that I recognize as like, oh, that's the guy from this. And he's, you know, I just assumed he was the biggest movie star of all time because the Bond movies were like the biggest movies ever. And, you know, in my house and for a lot of kids my age because of our dads and stuff. So, um, I have very fond memories of the Connery Bond movies. And and again, even into the 90s, like his presence on screen was pretty awesome. He's great in The Untouchables. He totally deserves that that uh, Oscar that he got. He's great in Hunt for Red October. And I think he's great in The Rock. I rewatched The Rock fairly recently. And I mean, he's like really bringing it in that movie. And it, and it's funny to watch because cage is just on the verge of, of going full cage at that point in, in 96. And then you have Sean Connery who's still over here, like really being a serious, <laughs> a serious actor, you know? And it's, it's really good. He's, he's very, very good in that movie. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a bummer. And he's somebody that I wish would have allowed himself to have more relevancy with the generations behind us. Absolutely, uh, man. That would have been a, a great, well, great, great, a great Indiana Jones too. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, great in Last Crusade. Last Crusade. He's yeah, fantastic. Yes, in that that's thing. a great role for him. Perfect role for him. Uh, man, I can't stop thinking about. I mean, because you know what they were they're doing with Bond, and we're going to talk Bond in our VIP this week. By the way, um, Goldeneye. We're going to talk the movie Goldeneye and um, and uh, anticipate Bond twenty five in honor of Goldeneye's um, anniversary this year. But um, man, I can't stop thinking about what the approach has been for Daniel Craig's Bond, and like uh, you know, M is different, and you know, uh, Q is different, and they've kind of adopted, like, rebooted it in a way. How that would have been such a great way to reboot it, uh, reboot this is have Connery come back. And, and encounter Daniel Craig somehow, but have him be James Bond. Mm-hmm. 
like the original Bond and talk totally. him through like yeah. how it was a code name, how it ruined his mm-hmm. life for mm-hmm. all this stuff, you know, yes. and he lost yeah. his family because there is one true love and it all comes back to the original Bond girl or something, you know, in some, some sure. interesting yeah. fun way. I mean, and then that, well, that's what causes totally. Daniel Craig to retire. Like this isn't worth it. You know, that would have been yeah, so I mean, good. Ugh. Totally. Totally. I mean, that was always my thing with, with the idea of like, it would be really cool to bring him back. Like Skyfall is a perfect movie. I'm not trying to jack with Skyfall, but just what if Skyfall, instead of Connery in the Albert Finney role, what if Skyfall, what if Connery's sort of in the, uh, the Javier Bardem role? Like he's just, and you, obviously you have to change that and play it differently because he's an old man, not Javier Bardem. But what if he's this bad guy who used to be, you know, double, maybe he used to be 007 or maybe he used to be 006 or whatever. And he's jaded and angry and all this. Stuff. Like I would imagine that my dad's generation would revolt <laughs> at that. They would be yeah. so angry yeah. about that move. So I totally get it. It's it, like I said, a little bit sacrilegious, but I just thought it would be, su- that would have been such a cool thing to do. I don't think I, I mean, I, I don't, th- they're going to reboot bond. Okay. Get yeah, ready no, for totally. it, old soon, people. Soon, yeah, yeah, it's gonna yeah. happen. Of 007 is is a female, or James Bond is a code name. Like, get ready for it. That's the easiest out to to reboot that this series is. James Bond is just an alias that you adopt when you become MI6 mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, um, it's such an easy way to explain fifty different actors, and that's how you get Idris Elba in it. You know, and it doesn't have to be a a, a handsome. Mm-hmm tall white dude you know <laughs> james bond you know so i'm mm-hmm. open for all possibilities i want to see bond rebooted in some interesting way and that would have been a perfect way with connery but certainly a loss man and um 2020 strikes again dadgummit stay <laughs> safe american treasures and dadgummit if if uh, y'all harm one hair on bill murray's head i'm coming for you oh my gosh don't even put that bad voodoo into the universe man all right Great transition here. On the rocks, Brian. Sophia Cop- Coppola is um, is back at it. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. It's been a while since we've seen a uh, since we've seen a Coppola joint. Uh, I was, I'm pulling up the IMDb. I was trying to think what was the last I thing. Think I think a Bling it. Ring was the last one I saw. Bling Ring, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, I wondered if I'd if I'd missed one. I didn't see. I didn't see the Beguiled. No. So yeah, it was. It was it was Bling Ring was the last uh last last thing that she that she did. I always I always like when she she Sofia Coppola is is somebody who if she's making a movie, uh I'm not gonna say straight out, you know, from from the word go, like I'm gonna love this movie or I fully expect to love this movie, but I'm always gonna be interested in what she she brings to the table. I don't always love the the finished product, but um I think she's a very interesting filmmaker. I love her tone i love her her usages of settings and stuff i I love the way she does that and this is this is no exception so yeah i was i was excited about this you you're talking sofia coppola and you're adding uh you're adding rashida jones who i love and uh and then you're just basically letting bill murray be bill murray on screen i mean that's that's right on my alley for sure yeah and i heard sofia and bill murray were were collaborating again of course Mm -hmm. They're, she's probably should get credit for rebooting Bill Murray's career, like you mm-hmm. know, because sure. he had done Groundhog yeah. Day and 
had kind of faded out by the late nineties, but then Lost in Translation mm-hmm. comes out and this is this complete yeah. um, you know, frames him in this new light as this really mm-hmm. deep, um, you know, dramatic actor yeah. and can can do whatever he wants basically for the rest of his life because of her, you know. And maybe mm-hmm. maybe yeah. Wes Anderson would have eventually yeah, exactly. eventually yeah. gone down that road with some of the things he did in Tenenbaums, Bombs, but that's still a comedy, you know, it's Mm-hmm. Wes Anderson still uses him in a comedic light. And I think it was so great of Sophia to recognize his potential as a dramatic actor. You know, I look mm-hmm. at it like like what Paul Thomas Anderson did with Sandler or, you know, what I'm hoping Will Ferrell or somebody like that will eventually go into. You know, I, I feel like there's mm-hmm. room for those types of of personalities to mm-hmm. um, to come through in a dramatic way. It just has to be with the right person you know, behind the camera. I do too. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I think Will Ferrell is at some point we will see a Renaissance. It's just, it's gotta be, it's gotta be You're exactly right. It's gotta be this. It's gotta be this transition to dramatic work or dramedy work and stuff. And then maybe that, that, you know, allows you to tap into the comedy bit again, but, but the straight comedy thing, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not there anymore. And you know, we always say, at some point you lose your fastball. It's just, it's going to happen, especially comedically. Eddie Murphy, one of the, maybe the funniest person in the world for a decade. And then just kind of loses. Now it. he's I mean, back. Mike Myers had a, yeah, totally has a huge cultural moment for a long time. And then, you know, it's, uh, it's not there anymore. It just, so do you have a curveball? Do you have something to go to? I think Farrell does. I think Farrell's range has always been better than he has gotten credit for. And when he does do dramedy work, uh, like indie movies and stuff, it's usually pretty impressive. He's just got to, he's got to find the right, the right role, the right director, the right, the right vessel to sort of gracefully transition into that phase of his, his career, I think. Absolutely, man. So Lost in Translation was like this big, uh, I don't know, what the word I'm looking for is, but this big aha moment, you know, for mm-hmm. a lot of people, probably for Sophia and her career, you know, I like the version suicides. I've seen it maybe twice in my life. Like I, I don't sure. enjoy it, but I, I recognize sure. it's, uh, it's value. And I read a lot about it this past year when I, um, read that book about 1999's year of movies. And there's a big, mm-hmm. big section mm-hmm. in there about that. But man, there might not be a director. I mean, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Maybe Bryce Dallas Howard has an argument, but like a director that had a better education in cinema than like hanging out sure. with your dad as he mm-hmm. makes these historically iconic movies, you know? Um, sure. Yeah. And so that obviously rubbed off on her. Um, you know, I see some of what Francis. Um, did in her work when it comes to mm-hmm. some of the emotions that she tries to portray, you know, this, this sure. very, uh, I don't know, a thesis that really is just about love and how love and, and, um, conviction really drives people, you know, and that, that's really mm-hmm. a through line mm-hmm. in all of Coppola's work, you know, and not only in the Godfather, but even in something like apocalypse now, it's, that's sure. that's the case, and so I see a lot of parallels there. You know, it's not like she 
got her education in movies and grew up on set and then was like, all right, screw you, dad. I'm going to go make, um, you know, whatever. So she, she mm-hmm. kind of carried the torch in some, in a really natural way. And so I appreciate that. Sure. But at the same time, of course, she's been married to Spike Jones in, in the past. And, um, both of their careers really didn't do much during that time, which is sad mm-hmm. because I feel like Spike Jones, like I've said, is one of the more underrated directors of our lifetime. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I've just wanted more creatively from her for a long time and it's good to see her mm-hmm. get back to, I don't know, something that just, she's most comfortable doing. And, mm-hmm. and it's just in general thoughts, Brian, I really enjoyed this movie. I really, really, really liked this movie. Um, I mean, sure. maybe it's actually. I know it's it's a it's a circumstance of 2020, and you know, comparing what we've seen this year and and how difficult it's been to get movies like this uh, mm-hmm. out to us or that weren't delayed. And I was just talking about um, about this with uh, VIPs, the Rank Kings podcast um, that I just recorded. If you want to check that out, we were talking about 2019. And I had mentioned that I'd just seen On the Rocks before coming on. And, mm-hmm. like, On the Rocks is, like, you know, I'll, I'll be upfront. Like, it's it's probably pretty high on my list this year. But, like, sure. wouldn't yeah. even sniff the top 15 in 2019. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of yeah. where we're at. No. I mean, you're, you're totally right. 2019... You you talked about the that book uh, ninety nine. What, what's it called? called? Best, Best movie, movie ever. ever. Yeah. Okay. That's good. that's in my next three reads. I think you'll um, enjoy it. Yeah. It's been sitting on my shelf since Christmas of last year, so I need to try to get through it this year. But uh, anyway, um, I mean, twenty nineteen is a just an all timer year for for uh, at least for mainstream movies. I mean, if you want to make and and then if you if you count Parasite uh, breaking through that. You know, then and and becoming mainstream because it was a pretty big hit. And then I think that's fair. If you want to talk about indie movies, there's probably other years that that qualify. I don't know. It doesn't really matter to me. From a mainstream movie standpoint, 2019 is just, just an all time bang. Yeah, that's what and, we. That's, uh, I'm glad we that's got we saying. the year before yeah. the pandemic. Yeah, so so that we could uh, like you know store up some good memories for the for the year to Can come. Can you believe, Brian, that that, we that Parasite won Best Picture in 2020? Does that feel like the weirdest? I know, thing? man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a week before everything just went to hell. Yeah. Uh, here, anyway, domestically, I know it was. Overseas was way worse, way way before. But anyway, uh, yeah, 2019 was a total ban. And I, and I had the same exact thought while watching this. I was like, this rules. I really dig this movie. I'm going to give it a very high grade. Can't imagine it would have touched my top 10 last year. Uh, and it's just, it is what it is. The, you know, some, some movie years are better than others, regardless of pandemics. Um, but for the, for the moment, for this movie, man, I really dug this too. I, this is... This is very much... Uh, I don't know what the budget on this thing is. I assume very, very low... Uh, but I love, look, I, I love blockbusters. I miss blockbuster movies so much right now and not being able to go to the theater and all that stuff. I always dig a good blockbuster and I'm happy to see him anytime. But it, this, this kind of movie, this is typically this time of year would, we'd be saying, man, what a breath of fresh air that was, you know, as we sort of transition from the blockbuster season to the Oscar season and whatnot. Um, that was what we, we probably be saying this year, but this year, because things are so wheels off and stuff, 
it just was a, it still was a breath of fresh air. Um, but it was, you know, you, you take it in a little bit differently maybe than, than you would have in, in a normal non pandemic year. But yeah, dude, I dug this a lot and I, I hate that it's on Apple plus cause I feel like that is one of the lower level streaming services in terms of, uh, accessibility to, to the masses and whatnot yeah. for whatever reason. Um, but it deserves to be seen and it's, it's one that I hope people will, will seek out. Cause I, I really, I really enjoyed it a lot. And I mean, there's a ton of, uh, there's, there's a ton of elements that are very much geared directly at Brian Gill. So I don't know, maybe, maybe this is a, a <laughs> this will be proven to be not, uh, super popular with, with other people. But like, again, Sophia Coppola, great. Rashida Jones, great. Bill Murray being Bill Murray, great. The theme, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge sucker for parent-child themes and you know those relationships and stuff. And so uh, this is this is very much right up my alley on on a, on a number of levels. Yeah, I'm looking at the budget. It says 19 million. Okay, it's a little higher than I maybe expected, but yeah, I expected about 10. Maybe that's uh, yeah, maybe maybe they paid maybe they paid Bill and Rashida really well. Yeah. I hope so. I hope they got paid real well. Yeah. That's probably true, but I like the simplicity of the film. Um I'm with you, Brian. I like the these I don't know, maternal kind of movies. Um mm-hmm. you know, Bill Murray's known for these. Uh, yeah. with Rushmore and with something like St. Vincent, you know, these kind of fatherly figure mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. movies, you know? Um, mm-hmm. This is one of the better ones for me. It felt so natural. The relationship between Rashida and Bill felt like a real relationship. Um, and something else that I just, I just don't know if there's a lot of, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I just don't know if there's a lot of movies about like dads and their daughters. Yeah. And that relationship, because there's always the father-son dynamic, there's always the mother-daughter, ladybird-type dynamic, right? But you rarely see this, where it's it's a father who, you know, maybe it didn't work out with the previous marriage, but still has this intense love for his daughter and and wants mm-hmm. to be a, a father to a daughter, you know, and um, a, a grandfather to granddaughters and that, you know? That really spoke to me for some for some reason. Maybe it's just because we, we just haven't seen movies that really mm-hmm. highlight that. No, I totally agree. I mean, we focus in in film. We focus on the father daughter relationship, or excuse me, the father son relationship and the mother daughter relationship. And uh, it's it's not like it's a you know it's unheard of or anything like that, but it is much more rare to have a father daughter movie or a, a mother son movie. Uh, you're, you're totally right. I mean, you think, I mean like things like father, the bride really stick out and, but there's, I would guess the ratio is like five to one, if not 10 to one on father, son movies and to, uh, you know, father, father, daughter movies, but I'm totally with you. It was, it was nice to see a little bit of a difference on that and to see the dynamic of that relationship explored rather than I mean, look, I'm in a love it no matter what, probably because again, I'm I'm a sucker for this whole trope. Um, but I liked seeing, I like seeing Sophia direct a movie uh, with a you know that's that's female forward and having that relationship you know with her father explored rather than uh, just this sort of typical father son bit. As much as I love the father son bit on on 
on screen. Um, it was cool to see it. This dude. And this is an interesting pairing too. I, I, I really, I think they did a great job. Uh, I mean, Bill, you know, I assume you start with Bill Murray, but maybe it didn't. Maybe it started with Rashida Jones and then we go out and cast Bill Murray. But however it worked, deciding that, that Rashida uh, should be the opposite of, of, of Bill is, I, I think, is a great pull. Like, that's a really great, smart decision. Yeah, she's obviously had a great career doing, you know, various roles. Uh, you know, most notably The Office and Parks and Rec and, and you know, movies like I Love You, Man and, and some funner funner comedies. Mm-hmm. But we hadn't really seen her in a leading lady type role before. Sure. Um, I think she's a great actress. And, I mean, Bill Murray was great, but, like, I was really into this before she even showed up, you know, and he, he shows up and it's that much better. He just pulls up in that cool car and it's like, okay, here's Bill Murray mm-hmm. for the rest of the, mm-hmm. of the time. But sure. I was pleasantly surprised. Like, wow, she might be a movie star. I'd never really thought of her as that way, but like, she's fantastic, man. She's so good. She is, um, she's incredible. I, I think she is, she is magnetic on screen. She's beautiful, but it, it's not just, I mean, we, we don't, that's not what I'm, it, it's, she has a real, she has a presence on screen. She is, um, she's very pleasant to, to, uh, to watch interact with people. Like she just has a very charming quality to her. Um, and she's such a smart, she's so smart. Uh, like I love any, any interview with, with Rashida Jones. Cause she just has, she's very thoughtful and she has a really, it's certainly not unique, but she, I don't know, she, she understands this business so well and she, she has such a smart approach to it. I don't know if you heard her with Conan recently on, on his, his, his podcast, but, um, I mean, she just talked about like, you know, we, we mentioned all the time, like how stupid this industry is for, for women and how quick the industry is to toss out women who are between the ages of you know 30 and 70 seemingly you know you got to be super young or super old to get a job in hollywood and she recognized early on the importance of uh taking her craft seriously and and writing and that's so that's been her focus you know is is writing more and and she's really good at that too but yeah dude i love her on screen i i she is it's partly by her own like I said, her own career path and her own choices of like, this is what I'm going to focus on instead of the other, but she's criminally underutilized in, in film and TV. She's so, so good. Yeah. And I love, I just love watching her on screen. She's obviously focused a lot on her empire or producing a lot of stuff and, you know, Mm -hmm. writing like toy story four and things like that. Um, but I think she has a lot of potential if she wanted to pursue, acting and i think movies like this these 15 million dollar dramas or comedies are are the way to go but like if yeah, she got cast in like a marvel movie i'd be all in man sure i think she's fantastic sure. um so i wanted to ask you about just what the subject matter of this movie brian like you know what mm-hmm. did you think of of what the movie was about you know this this wife who's basically paranoid that her significant mm-hmm. other is uh cheating on her and then like her and sure. her dad go on this and not caper but like a you know spying yeah. on him and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and it's this it's this uh you know juxtaposition between am i overthinking this or am i being stupid sure. you know <laughs> i think it was really 
poignant. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm 37. I don't know how old. I don't know how old Rashida Jones is, but she's she plays be, she's um, a little bit older. She plays me. like 38 in the movie. I think she said something like that. Okay. Like she has a few more years okay. left in her 30s, so she plays like okay. basically gotcha. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think there's a lot of. I guess we should say we're in spoilers at this point because I don't want to. I don't want to ruin anything for for anybody. But yeah, there, I think there's a lot of truth to the way that this plays out. And I, I will tell you again, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. I was, I was really rooting, really rooting for like, please let this not be. He's cheating on her at the end of it. Like I really wanted a some some positive resolution on that because I felt like and and they did that obviously and I thought that that was. That made the movie all that much better because that felt like real life. Like that felt like a real thing that would happen. You know, you get into your late 30s and into your 40s or whatever, and you do start to feel like uh, you've you've lost yourself. You know, you 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 start to see in yourself, man. I'm not fun anymore because. I got to deal with these kids and for her, it's like, I can't write anymore. I totally, not that I'm a published writer, but I totally feel that of like, gosh, it's, I can't write anymore because I've, I'm, my time is just pulled so many different directions. And when you, st- then you start to see those things in yourself or you start to feel those things about yourself and then you sort of extrapolate them out to like, if I'm seeing those things, then obviously my partner must be seeing those things as well. And and then from the flip side of that is I totally I totally vibed with what what Marlon Wayans who by the way was 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 very yeah. good in this I mean it's a it's a small part but he was very good um, but like I started to vibe really hard with with what he was doing of I am working so hard because I'm trying to impress you and I'm trying to make you feel like I, you know, I am worthy of you and all that sort of stuff. And it was, I don't know, it was really, I thought that was a, I would be shocked if that was not like semi autobiographical for, for Sophia and, um, whatever relationship, whether it's Spike or, or whatever. I, I, I don't know that, but it just, it, it came across as so genuine, but also in a really easy, natural way. Um, and part of that is is again how great Rashida Jones is, but but the writing is very good too to allow for that and and to sort of push that that forward. And then you kind of have the backdrop of here's this dad who isn't like estranged from his kid, but it's it's certainly a shallower relationship than he would yeah. like, and it's his fault that it is that way. And he just wants to hang out with his kid. And gosh, I I. I get that real hard. I mean, that's, you know, I joke around all the time. My, my son is seven and we're best buddies and we have been, you know, from, from his birth, we're just, we're super, super tight. And I joke with him all the time that like, it's going to be pretty soon that you're going to think you're too cool for me. You're not going to want to hang out with me anymore. And, and like, you know, for years he says, no, that's never going to happen, dad, you know? And now, like recently, he's been like, "Yeah, probably." <laughs> just like, "Okay, cool, awesome." I can already see where this is where this is headed. But I, I, I thought that that the exploration of this dad who doesn't know how to talk to his kid really and has this super shallow relationship with her, and then he seizes on this opportunity to bond with her, and it's the worst things they could, he could possibly do because he totally he totally builds up whatever is happening in, in her mind and, and makes her paranoid and all this sort of stuff. But he just wants to hang out with his kid. And it's, I don't know. I, I thought there's a whole lot of themes there that um, I would guess resonate more with, with me than 
than it does for our average listener given, you know, podcast demographics and whatnot, if that makes sense. Yeah, man. I, I, I really felt, you know, the genuine, uh, genuine ambition from Sophia here really to like not mm-hmm. try to make something overly dramatic or funny, but really just tell a, a really relatable story in one that, um, like I said, you don't get movies like this anymore. And props to A24 mm-hmm. for for giving her the platform. Props to Apple for recognizing this movie. I mean, they're going to lose money on it for sure. But it's yeah. it's one that I think you know people need to see this year. And, and it's certainly one of the more enjoyable movies for me. I, like I said, I don't know if this will be any kind of awards movie. Um, I don't think I don't know if sure. Bill Murray's going to get any kind of nomination for this. Maybe he should as a supporting actor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought he was fantastic, and oh. and it's an interesting note here. I just saw Sophia's married to um, the singer of Phoenix. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. So that's why. They, okay, they did the soundtrack for for this for the. the oh, did they? So okay. Oh, I did not know yeah, that. I, I love that Phoenix. I, was... I love them. Um, but did yeah, not know she was married to their lead singer for the past 10 years. That's uh, interesting. Yeah, same here. Same here. I didn't recognize that when I was watching the movie, but then I saw it. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. That makes that makes some sense. Yeah. Very cool. But, man, I have I know it's fun to hate on Sophia or, like, popular too, but, like, I'm a fan, yeah. man. I, I, I like what she brings. I, She's so good. And, man. you know, it's fun to hate on her for ruining The Godfather or whatever you want to do, but, like, it's not her fault her dad cast her in that, oh. you know? <laughs> Oh. But she she's really I'll creative. You, I'll and take you one step further. Yeah, I mean you can't compare her to to her dad from a you know a peak standpoint. I mean the Godfather and Godfather Two and Apocalypse Now and all this sort of stuff. You want to talk about longevity yeah. and making like quality movies over? I mean we're we're talking twenty one years or so mm-hmm. now that she's been, and it's not she's not prolific. Uh, she only has what like six seven movies. I mean it's not very many. So. But Lost in Translation I mean, is like, bangers, man. I mean, if she never did anything else, <laughs> like that's a that's a yeah. a almost masterpiece level like movie. It's it's sure. so sure. unique, and I, I mean, there's just nothing like that. So, I mean, I, I mm-hmm. agree with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm comparing her and, and Francis, and Francis like lucked into a lot of stuff to be completely honest with you he didn't want to direct the godfather but he had to because he was broke mm-hmm. you know <laughs> ended up being the, the sure. best movie of all time and and all that kind of stuff like Sophia's just so much has so much uh, a better situation ahead of her and you're right i'd probably bet on her mm-hmm. in the long run <laughs> you know like in, i think in 20 years she's still going to be making movies yeah yeah I mean, she got to start earlier, I yep. guess. Maybe I, I don't know how 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 old Francis was when when he's. But it doesn't matter. She she's put together a really remarkable career for herself, and she, I don't know, man. Like, I, maybe my favorite thing about her is just like I, I mentioned a little bit at the top. I love how she uses settings. I mean, she she this is the the city feels like a character, and I know that's a that's a super cliche thing to say. I know, but. It's the same. Yes, with this is a great New York movie. That scene yeah, where they're totally, driving around in the convertible totally. is awesome. <laughs> yeah, and look, I get tired of New York movies. I, I I think it's fair to be like every movie takes place in L.A. or New York, and that's freaking obnoxious. I totally get it. I I definitely understand. 
this is the kind of movie where I want it to be in New York mm-hmm. because it it does have that New York feel to it. It's not the same as like generic Manhattan backdrop, which is, you know, kind of a lazy way to do every movie if you really want to go that route. Um, but no, she, she uses the, she uses the setting very well and it, it feels great. I mean, but she does that in all room. I mean, like I said, last year's somewhere, same thing with, with LA and what, I mean, it bling ring and it's, it's, I dig the way that, that she puts that together. But yeah, dude, Bill Murray was so, I, you're right. He's not, he's probably not gonna get an Oscar nomination, although this is a, such a wheels off year. Who, who knows? Who knows what's going to come? But, um, I just love, I love, I love watching Bill Murray work when he's at his Murrayist. Yeah. He's just such, I mean, I'm looking at, I have a, I have a, a art piece on my wall of, of Bill Murray. So I'm obviously quite biased, but he is such a, just him walking on screen makes me happy. And I don't know how many people, it's like Dirk. It really is like Dirk Nowitzki for me. It's just just seeing Papa Dirk makes me happy, and it's the same with Bill. As soon as he, as soon as his voice came on screen, I was like, "Gosh, dang it!" There's Bill Murray, and I, man, I, I just I love that man, and I'm I'm so excited to see him pop up. And we all know he's not above making a terrible movie, so it's really nice to see him doing something that feels that is fun while also feeling substantive. Yes. You know? Totally agree. Well, I suggest listeners watch this one. I'm sorry we spoiled it. If uh, if not, I think it's worth your time. Either way, Brian, you want to hit a grade here for On the Rocks? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. I'm going to give it an A. Okay. I'm going to give it a straight A. Yeah. Um, it maybe is a. It's a little. Maybe it's a little slight for an A. Uh, and maybe part of my my love for it is is based on just the bias of like what a beating so many movies have been this year, but. Um, and the lack of movies went up, but yeah, dude, I really, I really, really enjoyed watching this, and it it felt uh, a little cathartic in in a, in a way. What yeah, about you? Yeah, What's I'll give name? it an A as well. Also, um, ninety minutes too. Love that. You know. Yeah, love that. Love right, that. really well paced, and um, one I'm going to watch again. My wife wanted to watch it, and one I'm happy to watch again with her. I, I think it's a. Uh, it's certainly mm-hmm. one I'll recommend to friends and family uh, if they're looking for a good movie from 2020. Well, we uh, we ran out of time for weekly recommends, but Richard will be back, and we'll get him on it. The weekly recommends, so we'll get we'll get more recommends than we normally would have if Brian and I just said something. So we'll save that. We'll make it better for you next time around. But we've got more coming for you this week on our VIP. If you want uh, our AMA. Get excited for that. But if you want that James Bond episode, uh, GoldenEye, we've got that dropping this week. We just dropped our best in show review uh, from last week, talking about the 20th anniversary of best in show. And those bonus episodes come out every single week. So, you know, if you listen to this earlier in the week, maybe you want something later, maybe you've got a road trip coming up, something like that. So head on over to the VIP, sign up for, uh, for the $1 a week tier and download all those episodes and have fun. Enjoy it and join our discord as well. But thank you for being here. You can follow Brian at uh, beagle 12 on Twitter. Find him as well on our uh, website, metalmoviespodcast.com. And you can find me over at there as well. And at Kent Garrison on all the social media. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, and if you learned anything, if we made you smile, if you enjoyed what you listened to, please leave us a positive, kind review on the podcast platform of your choice. Remember to subscribe. 
tell a friend, and hopefully we'll see you soon at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. The salads and scrambled eggs.